Welcome to the Divorce Survival Guide podcast, where we have open and honest conversations about co-parenting, separation, divorce, and the hardest question of all, should you stay or should you go? I'm Kate Anthony, your Divorce Survival Guide, and I'm here to help you navigate some of the roughest waters you've ever swum in and answer some of your toughest questions. I've been to hell and back, and now it's my mission in life to help you get to the other side of this process with your sanity and your heart intact. Hey everybody, welcome back. I am happy to be here with you today. I'm really excited about this episode. This was one of those where I got the call or the email from a publicist asking me if I would interview Mira Kirschenbaum for my podcast. And, you know, I get pitches all the time and sometimes I accept, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I'm like, I don't know who that is. And then I look them up and I'm like, oh, they're cool. But this one was like, are you kidding? <laughs> it was like, I immediately turned fangirl. Um, for those of you who don't know, Mira is the author of the seminal Should I Stay or Should I Go book, uh, Too Good to Leave, Too Bad to Stay. And if you haven't read it and you are asking yourselves, uh, yourself these questions, you must read this book. Um, you may have read this book already. Uh, Mira is here today to talk about her new book. By the way, Mira has written 11 books. <laughs> so um, this is her latest book, and it's called Why Couples Fight. And my favorite quote from this podcast episode is, um, and I think it's also in her book, where she says, feeling understood is the orgasm of intimacy. So, uh, this is pretty, this is a great topic. Why couples fight? So many people I work with and hear from and are in my Facebook group and, you know, message me that, you know, all of you want to, all you want really ultimately in your relationship is to feel understood. And so I think it's perfect that Mira says about this is that feeling understood is the orgasm of intimacy. Yes. So if we are not understood, very often that's what leads to fighting right? But it's a lot more, it's a lot deeper. And so Mira is here to have a conversation um, about her new book. For those who don't know, Mira Kirschenbaum is the co-founder and clinical director of the Chestnut Hill Institute in Boston, an internationally recognized center for research and psychotherapy for couples, families, and individuals. And I have to tell you, I fell in love with Mira as we recorded this and in our prep for the call. She is just the sweetest, most wonderful, and just a divine, divine human being on this planet. And it was such an incredible honor for me to interview her. So without further ado, here is my interview with Mira Kirschenbaum. Mira, I am so incredibly honored to have you on the podcast. And I, I'm really excited to talk about your new book, Why Couples Fight, a step-by-step -step guide to ending the frustration, conflict, and resentment in your relationship. I bet my listeners are really excited about it too. Hi, everybody. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. I look forward to this podcast and I've got a lot that I want to share with you. 
Yeah, you you do. You are you are an incredibly prolific writer. You how many books have you written, Mira? Fifteen. Fifteen books. Unbelievable. Yes. Unbelievable. Well, it's been I, over many years. Sure, sure. But, you know, <laughs> it's a lot of books. I love throughout this book, you often reference in my other book, so-and-so, I go into this in more detail and I thought, oh my God, she has a book for every topic. I love this. <laughs> exactly. That was my goal. When I, when I started, I wanted to cover everything so that by the end of my life, there was nothing left about relationships. Perfect. Well, thank you. Thank you for your service to all of us. I think we want to start off with you reading the dedication, the dedication that you wrote in this book, which is really beautiful. And I think will speak really to the hearts of my listeners as well. Okay. I've just finished writing the last chapter. And now, finally, I feel at peace. At last, I've kept a promise I made to myself when I was 10 years old, and that I made again and again over the years. A promise I made with tears to find an answer to the question, is lasting love possible? And if so, how in the world can we make it happen? I've given my life to this question and you hold the answer in your hands. Oh, so beautiful. So is lasting love possible? Well, I've been married to the same person for 55 years. So I know at least uh, one of the seven and a half billion, actually two of the seven and a half billion people in the, on the planet have managed it. But I wrote the book, Why Couples Fight, because it's so hard these days. Yeah. And it took me a lifetime. I've been doing this work for 40 some years to learn all this stuff. I didn't know it. I needed this. Yeah. It's so, so why is this book important? And what is the, like the new information that it provides? First of all, it's the very first book to reveal the real reason smart, loving, well-intentioned people can have such a tough time getting their needs met and instead are ruining their relationships. And that reason is the power dynamics, the way we feel disempowered that emerge when the couple try to deal with their conflicting needs. And the other thing the book does, this it provides the understanding that leads to a fairly quick and permanent end, not only to your unmet needs, but to the whole negative atmosphere in the relationship. So, but I can tell you the second part of your question, what's new in the book? Mm -hmm. Well, it's the first book. Oh, there are so many things new in it on my uh, <laughs> website. Just Google my name, Mira Kirschenbaum. And I, how many blogs have I written? I write blogs every Tuesday, 
Thursday and Saturday, I post new blogs. So three times a week. And just uh, the blogs about what's new in the book. And I haven't finished yet. Mm. Uh, I think there are about four or five blogs covering that. Wow. Wow. You really are a prolific writer. I don't, I don't know how you do it. And also, you know, well, working I'm 75 with your... years old, but you know, <laughs> it's taken my whole life. Yeah. I love it. I just love it. Do you still work with, uh, with patients? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I have, I'm like an a, a old family doctor, you know, people I've worked with 40 years ago, they send their children, their grandchildren. Uh, I once had the room full, like 45 people in a family, the whole group wanted me to help them with family dynamics. So I've been doing this for years since I was a kid. I started in my early 20s. Wow. I am, and I'm so grateful that you've moved so close to me now. So if I ever get into another relationship again, which I hope to do, <laughs> I will be calling you. All right. So there's all this new information in this book. And I, I get, like you said, it's a, it's a lifetime of your work that has led to, uh, that has gone into this book. And one of the things that you say in the book is that every resolved and every unresolved conflict Every conflict that's not resolved with patience and understanding means your relationship is burdened with more and more unmet needs and more resentment. So what are when we talk about unmet needs, what is that the pursuit of getting our needs met and having an unmet need? Like what does that mean in a relationship? Well, there's something you want whatever it is, and don't mm -hmm. let anyone tell you that what you need and want is not important. If it's important to you, but it can't be everything you want and need, it's just got to be the things that are most important. You have to present it using the one, two, three method. That's what I offer in the book, as yes. well as all the power moves, six pages, for all the different kinds of power moves um, and examples of each of them. I mean, this book has everything you need to get the loving relationship you want. It's really a book about love, not about fighting or power. And it's mm. about the hope of love and how to keep love alive. That's mm. the point of it all, isn't it? Putting an end to the conflicts where we end up fighting for ourselves and then scorch the earth of love. Instead, we have to clear a way to bring back love. That's so beautiful. That's such a, I love that. That's so beautiful. So, all right. So you're talking about power and, and, and this book is really about the power moves and the power dynamics that get in the way of having our needs met and having healthy love. Right. So what are, what are these, what are these power moves? Like you say, there's you've got six pages, you've got six categories of power moves. How do you define power in a relationship? What does that mean? Okay. Let's start with an example. Okay. It's okay. Let's say you and I are in a relationship and we're living together. Okay. And one day you say to me, are you feeling our place is kind of small and sort of not so nice? Should we talk about moving to a bigger, nicer place? 
And I feel I'm about to be pressured. So I say, no way can we afford to move. You feel that I've slammed the door in your face. I just want you to be open to this mirror. You're so often closed to new things. And I feel you're telling me there's something wrong with me. Maybe you don't want to move. Maybe you just want to move out. If you don't like being with me, why don't you just say so? And then I start crying. Right. Then we're off to the races. Right. Now the whole new apartment idea is shredded. Yeah. Each of these power moves back and forth was a way you and I re-empowered ourselves in the face of feeling disempowered by the other. No one wants power and no one wants to battle for power. It's just that we don't want to feel disempowered. And sadly, we all of us have 101 ways of making our partners feel disempowered, whether we intend to or not. Mm. And when a person feels disempowered, it's instinctive to try to re-empower ourselves, which is then perceived as a power move by our partner. And the battle for power is off and running. No one wins and no one's needs get met. So, you know, you bring up a really amazing point here and in the book, you talk about who gets to say what a, what a power, what's a power move and what's not, right? And so this is sort of speaks to impact versus intent. Exactly. It's not about your intention. If the other person says, let's do that again, please, or that's a power move or stop or it doesn't work, that doesn't work, could you say it differently? That's it. No Mm -hmm. discussion. If, If you feel disempowered, and you know you feel it because you're wanting to start to do something to empower yourself. I always think of my cats who would double in size the second they would hear a sound that made them feel disempowered. Mm -hmm. We're all the same, we're just animals. And when we feel a threat, we double in size. And that's what a power move is. Mm -hmm. However we can do it, we take care of ourselves. Our intention isn't to get power. Our intention is to not feel disempowered. Yeah, and so if someone says to you, I feel disempowered. Your job is not to say, well, I didn't, I didn't use a power move on you. I, I didn't do it. Your job is to say, is to listen <laughs> to what your, what your partner is saying. And we'll get into the one, two, three method about in, in a minute, but I think it's a really important, I think this probably one of the places where relationships get stuck most often is this idea of impact versus intent. And that I didn't intend to hurt your feelings. So therefore, the fact that your feelings are hurt is not reasonable, right? Or it's not, uh, oh, I, can't, I can't think of the word, but <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's, not, it's not reasonable, right? It's not valid because I didn't mean right. to. Well, tough noogies, it is valid. If I feel that 
something you said or did or didn't say or didn't do makes me feel disempowered, then if you want to have a good relationship, and some people want to make a mess. I don't know why, Mm -hmm, but they mm -hmm. just do. But if you want to solve the problems, if you want to be close, to get all the goodies that there are, then you've got to stop. Yeah. And I had to stop. I remember this woman. I couldn't believe it. Her husband would come up from exercising in the basement. He was shirtless, pumped up and sweating. And she would feel that his just standing there like that was a power move because he looked so tough and they had to work out a way so that she wouldn't feel disempowered. Sure. I love that, you know, there's a quote, a couple of quotes in the book that I, that I just, I sort of jumped out to me. And one of them is you said, power is the nightmare of love. Yeah, it's, I mean, what do we all want from love? We want to feel like we matter, like our health, happiness, and well-being are as important to the other person as their own. And how are we going to feel that when, when there are power moves? It just can't exist when there are power moves, when you feel disempowered. You feel like you don't matter, like you're nothing. Yeah, right. For Valentine's Day, I've I've been writing uh, very positive, affectionate blogs. The last couple and the next ones coming up, and I I really I I just wrote one where I show you exactly how to have love in your life, what you need to do. Mm. What do you need to do? Tell us. I mean, believe me, we'll all go read it. (laughs) Go to the website and read it because I I want you to be surprised. Okay. Okay. Just like in the book. In the book, I have the eight core experiences of love. Yes. And I've already written that blog, so I can talk about that now. But uh, please come. I've been putting out all this stuff I wanted available to everyone. In the research, bibliotherapy is the most cost-effective way to get help. Mm -hmm. And that's why I've written 15 books, because I, in my lifetime, how many people could I personally help? But with my books, I've helped millions. Yeah. Too good to leave, too bad to stay alone worldwide has helped millions of people. You know, and I get letters every single day from people telling me that they feel I've saved their lives. So it's very gratifying to me. It's why I do it. I hear you. So you want me to talk about the eight core experiences of yeah, love? Yeah, I was going to say, like, let's talk about the eight core experiences of love, because I think that those are, I think that, God, I just, it's one of those things that, God, you wish people learned this in school, you know, <laughs> like, to define things in this way. So yes, let's talk about the eight core experiences of love. Okay. First, the point is, To protect our relationships, we need to protect, maintain, and nourish all eight of these experiences of love. Mm 
Mm. Not just love in the abstract, oh, honey, I love you, but each of these specific experiences. So affection is the first. Mm. Love without affection is like a sun without warmth or food without flavor. And you know what that tastes like. Food without flavor would make you wonder if it was really any kind of food at all. I, what, I Having had what, COVID, I can confirm this. <laughs> it's a very disorienting experience. Are you okay? I am. Oh, yes, I am. I am. But I lost my smell and my sense of taste, and it was really disorienting. And I, and I, and I 100% agree with that. I love that equation there. I think it's perfect, yes. Well, so many people these days have had that experience, mm -hmm. but affection, what am I talking about? Touches, kisses, loving words, hugs, any token of love is the tight hull that keeps the ship of love afloat. Lack of affection, that's what we get from strangers, from the people mm -hmm. we are closest to, we want as much affection as we can get. That's what we had when we were falling in love. That's the whole experience. Mm -hmm. Okay, next was attention. In relationships, we all know the answer to the question. If a tree falls in the woods and there's no one around, does it make a sound? Mm -hmm. Well, the answer is no, not if the tree is like us. People need to feel seen and heard to feel we exist, mm -hmm. much less to feel loved. Yeah. Most of us are starving for the attention of someone who really cares about us and who we really care about. If we're starving for that while we're in a relationship, we know something's really wrong. Mm -hmm. That's a real lack. I'm afraid if I go into all eight, it'll take up the whole interview. So maybe, <laughs> maybe people could go and check it out. Yes. Maybe I, I mean, just say what's the why other don't you just risk, Yeah. Can you just list them? Yeah. That would probably yeah. be better. Mm -hmm. Support, mm -hmm. fairness, mm -hmm. validation, respect, feeling cherished, and passion. And, you know, I want to I want to touch on something because, you know, we're, we've all a lot of us right have been sort of conditioned around love languages. Right. And that like some for some people, these things are more important. One thing may be more important than another. Right. But that doesn't mean that they shouldn't exist in the relationship like affection. Like if if physical touch is not your love language, that doesn't mean that like you don't get physical touch in your relationship at all. Right. It's still an important component. Exactly. Without it, you feel it's not love. Yeah. Yes. I think that's a really important. And, you know, reading all of these, these sort of core components of love. One of the things that I, uh, that it brings me back to, right. Is the experience of being a woman in the 21st century post me too, or <laughs> mid me too. Right. And women and power and, how women feel that they are entitled or deserve these things or they don't, right? I mean, I feel like that's a really, it, this is a very complex experience and time, especially for women 
to be empowering themselves, feeling disempowered. Like when we talk about power in women, that's kind of a, it's pretty loaded. Can you address that? I know you do in the book. I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Right. Well, the Me Too movement was about women feeling and being disempowered by men with real power over our lives. And this movement has brought out a discussion about the ways we women are disempowered in our relationships with men. Mm-hmm. I wrote Why Couples Fight because I wanted to help women and men too understand why they feel so helpless, so disempowered, so frustrated, so unable to get their needs met in their relationship. And I think we really need to take our needs seriously. Mm -hmm. If we don't, if we don't empower ourselves, how can we expect anyone to take us seriously if we don't fight like a tiger for what matters to us but you have to be savvy you have to know what you're doing you have to do it to be effective it's not just to be the cat doubling in size Mm -hmm. it's to get what you need in a way that will satisfy you so you don't end up feeling like nothing Yes. Yes. And I think that, and that is such a hard balance for women. I think that as women, I think, you know, as we got into more male dominated workplaces and we started, you know, after, you know, in the sixties and seventies, and we started getting more into the workforce and we were in these male dominated industries, we took on sort of an aggressive, more of an aggressive stance sometimes, right. In order to compete in those more aggressive and male dominated places. And I think that, you know, the way to get your needs met is not through power and control and dominance in that way, right? And I think that with some, some of us have gone like a little too far, <laughs> right, in, in one direction. And it's not about exerting more power, right, to, it's, but it is about coming to that softer middle of owning your power without exerting your power. Right. Does that make sense? Right. That makes a lot of sense, Kate. What's important is for you to have the power you need. What does power mean? It means you're able to do the things you want, to get where you want, to make your dreams come true. And in the work world, you're playing by different rules. In your personal relationship, if you're in busy playing power games, you're going to end up with nothing. Yeah. It doesn't work there. Mm-hmm. You, you'll just make messes and you won't solve the problems because the problems are different. Even negotiation, when you negotiate with someone, you, you may never see them again. But you're going to have to make love with your partner. So you both have to win. That's Mm -hmm. the beauty of the one, two, three method. It sets it up so that both of you end up satisfied. Otherwise, if you don't end up both getting what you need, it's not going to work. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I want, let's get into the one, two, three method. I think my other favorite quote from this book is feeling understood is the orgasm of intimacy. 
<laughs> I love my that line. I, I love it. And I already wrote it down to be part of the promotion for this podcast. Oh, thank you. That's I love it. I love yeah, it. I'm making true. you a meme, Mira. We're making a meme out of that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so let's talk about the one, two, three method. And okay. yes, what is it? Because it sounds so simple. One, two, three, boom. <laughs> okay. It's a three-step process for resolving any conflict in your relationship. One, before you begin to discuss solutions, make sure that each of you understands exactly what the other feels and thinks about the specific issue you're facing. Mm -hmm. Do not move on to the second step until each of you feels understood down to your toes. If that doesn't happen, then the whole thing is going to get stuck. Actually, I left out a step. You've got to get rid of power moves before you do anything else. Stop the power moves. And I show you exactly how to do that and why couples fight. And so so this, this step of, I can just see that most couples would just get stopped right there, right? With like trying to understand what, what the issue is. How, how, do, how do people, because I think the issue is that you don't put away the dishes. You think the issue is that I'm dominating and controlling, <laughs> right? So what's the issue and how do we come to an agreement on that? Okay, so let's use a specific example. Let's say I think it's time we got a new car okay. and you didn't think so. Mm-hmm. So we don't agree. Mm-hmm. So what would we do? Since I proposed the new car idea, you'd listen to me talk about why I think we need one. You'd make sure I felt a full and fair hearing. If you had any questions, not challenges, just questions, you asked them. Mm -hmm. When I felt you really understood what I wanted and why I wanted it, Then, and only then, would I listen to you and give you a full and fair hearing. Again, we're not going to argue. We just want to understand what each of us wants and where we're coming from. What we're trying to do is to get our needs met. Yes. No one wants power. Mm. No one, unless they're, they're sick. Okay, you know, I'm too good to leave, too bad to stay. I have a whole section on power people. And these are people, the true marker of a power person is they're not fair. And in Why Couples Fight, I have another whole section on power people. But the rest of us, we're not power people. We're not narcissists. We're We're just ordinary people who live in a world of scarce resources. I have a blog about some billionaires I've worked with. And even when people have that much money, they're still feeling they don't want to give away half in a divorce. (laughs) They're still feeling that there are scarce resources. So it's Darwin, you know, we live in a world of people who are fighting 
for the resources that they are. Mm -hmm. We want to get our needs met. We've been that way since we're babies. We just want what we want. Yeah. But we have yeah. to go about it in a grown-up way. And that's what I provided. Yes. So the second step is you come up with plenty of options mm. and you start throwing them out. Okay, so let's go back to the car example. So how about if we did this? Now, of course, because I know you don't want us to get a new car, the options that I put out can't ignore the stuff I just heard from you a few minutes ago. Mm. And the same with you. The options we throw out have to take each other's concerns and needs into account. We don't critique the options. We just ask questions to understand them better. When you ask a question, you get an answer. So you ask something like, so are you saying? And then you ask for clarification. Mm -hmm. And then you say, how would this work? And what do you see as the obstacles? And what do you think about the money? How would that work? And you just go into every nook and cranny and you get, you explore it. Yeah. That's the, the next step mm -hmm. before the third and final step is before you arrive at a final agreement, you take the different options. And I always tell people to do, each take their top three options. And then if you overlap, there are one or two that you both like, then you explore them further in the third step. And you talk about how it would play out. What are their pros and cons? And then you take it out for a spin. Mm. We, and you can do that with other options. The best option in 99 out of 100 cases, the best option just jumps out at both people without any argument or conflict at all because they've explored it. They've memory every feeling you have, every doubt, every concern you've shared. You're not in hiding. You're not busy uh, trying to manipulate the other. You're just being as open and honest as you can be. The truth wins. If you're speaking to the truth and remember this other person loves you, but if they don't love you, this is not going to work. And that way you know it's not, there's not a future for the relationship. Right. It's a little futile to be doing this with somebody who ultimately doesn't love you, right? Or is a or is a, a power person who is or right. who has no talent for it. That's a real thing. Some people can learn this stuff and do it without even thinking. And for other people, it's so hard, but there yeah. are two of you. So the person who's better at it can be the leader. It's okay to take leadership in the relationship. It's so interesting because, you know, when you put it this way, it's almost like it feels like power dissolves, right? The one, two, three method. And I'm just, that's why you just, that's why you <laughs> created it, right? It dissolves exactly. power and it dissolves conflict but then what about the people who are kind of addicted to conflict? There are people who are 
know, they, they love they conflict, something right? out of it. Right? My grandson, he's like that. Every my son, <laughs> yes, my son, he's a, well, you know, he did a personality test and he's quote the debater. And they don't really care about what they're debating. That's my grandson. They just want to debate. <laughs> right? That's my son. Right. right. So what about those people? How do how do you does this work with them? Or how do you well I'll tell you what I do? Mm. I I put a limit on it with people mm. like that. Mm. You have to listen to yourself, take your needs seriously. If you can have one debate a day or one a week or one a month, whatever it is that you need, you make, you use the one, two, three method to make an agreement that will work. You go through all the steps to make sure that you're able to do them. No power moves. And uh, I don't know how old your son is, but depending upon the age, he might need some help with this. And you stick to the agreement. You build in consequences. Yeah. But that's that's what works. You cannot let them just have free reign because they're not seeing other people. They're just busy with their need to debate and mm-hmm. that if you want to help them you've got to let give them feedback remember relationships are feedback systems mm-hmm. and if there is no feedback then the person is in the dark so you've got to provide that feedback to keep the relationship healthy and alive now how do you provide feedback in a healthy manner right because there's feedback that can be a power move and then Absolutely. there's feedback that's healthy. So what's the difference and how do you how do you create that? Well, whenever possible, you ask questions. Mm-hmm. How do you think that makes me feel? That slows things down. Mm-hmm. That gets the other person to see you. Mm-hmm. Whenever possible, you ask for permission to give feedback. It's a power move if you give it without asking yes but if you you see the other person you say I'd like to tell you how that makes me feel do you want are you open to hearing it yes yes I think and asking permission is such an important piece of all of this right even when you're starting the one two three method I want to I want to discuss this issue is now a good time because if the person says no it's not going to go anywhere, right? So it's important that you get consent on all sides throughout it, right? Exactly. And you make an appointment for when you can talk about it. Have it be uh, no more than 24 hours. Mm, Great. Yeah. Because then the avoidance becomes a power move. Exactly. (laughs) Ah. (laughs) So, all right. What, what, let's talk about power moves. I think, I know, I know that we've talked about it a little bit, but I think that it would be helpful to dig a little bit more deeply into what power moves are and why do people use them? Why do people turn to power moves? Okay. A power move is something you do or say, whether you intend it, that makes your, the other person feel disempowered. So I'll give you obvious examples. You don't know what you're talking about. 
The idea with this one is that the other person will smack herself on the forehead and say, my God, you're right. I don't know what I'm talking about. How silly of me to even try to debate this with you. So whatever you think best, honey. But in the whole history of the world, that's <laughs> never happened and it never <laughs> will happen. Right, right, exactly. Another power, I can, let's call it getting upset. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying anyone isn't genuinely upset. That's not the point. I'm just saying that if you and I are struggling over what color we're going to paint the bathroom and I suddenly get upset because you're not going along with my powder blue idea and insist on sticking with your ridiculous idea of painting it white, then my getting upset will make you feel disempowered. And the more upset I get yelling, crying, throwing stuff around, the more disempowered you'll feel. And what you'll do is either re-empower yourself and you'll have to go far to Mm -hmm. top me, or you'll cave in, but take away a very heavy burden of resentment. Here's something people always ask me about. They don't think of it as a pat move. Someone in tears says, look, I just can't take this anymore. So fine, whatever you want. Sounds like total surrender, but it is a power move. And that's because if you accept this and say, okay, good. So we won't get a dog. Everyone knows that taking advantage of that pathetic, exhausted surrender is going to cost that person over and over. Only a monster would do anything but say, oh, no, I don't want to force this. I want this to be a decision we both feel good about. Mm -hmm. And then the exhausted person is halfway to getting their dog. And that's a power (laughs) move. Right. Yes. I I think it's important to state that power moves are not, these are not like ill-intentioned you know, machinations, right? They're just, they're human responses to trying to get our needs met. Yeah, you asked me why people do this. Mm -hmm. Well, why would you break a door down to get into a room? You do it because you don't have a key. We use power moves because we don't have a simple, easy to use tool for dealing with situations where our needs conflict with the needs of the person we live with. Mm. And I've supplied the key to the door in why couples fight. That's what the one, two, three method is. The key to open that door. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mira, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Is there, are there any, any other sort of, last minute words of wisdom that you want to leave people with about this book or your work or getting, getting love? Well, one change I'd like to see everyone in relationships mm. make is whenever your partner has something to say, make sure she feels heard down to her toes. Whenever you have something to say, please don't make power moves. They just destroy love. That's so beautiful. Thank you so much. My pleasure.
Thanks, Mira. And where can people find you in your amazing blog? Just Google my name, Mira Kirschenbaum, and at least on my Google list, it comes up as the first thing. It's the Chestnut Hill Institute, and uh, the blog is there. All my books are there. Everything is there that you need. And Wonderful. I do it three times a week. I look forward to all of you following me and liking me. Um, I'm just learning how to do all this social media stuff. It's really cool. I like it. <laughs> it's pretty great. It's pretty great. And all of those links will be in the show notes. So we'll have a link to the website and to buy the book. The new book, Why Couples Fight, a step-by-step guide to ending the frustration, conflict, and resentment in your relationship. Mira, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. It was a great interview, Kate. I really enjoyed it. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Divorce Survival Guide podcast. If you like what you hear, head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in and leave me a review. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at the Divorce Survival Guide. I'll see you next time. And until then, remember, you, my love, deserve to be happy.